Be Christ's church. Impact the valley. Reach the world. All for the glory of King Jesus. Welcome to the North Roanoke podcast. Today, our lead pastor, Daniel Palmer, will be opening God's word for us. Our prayer is that you will encounter the living Lord as you hear his word proclaimed. Church, as we turn our attention to God's word, would you, would you bow with me? God, we ask in the strong name of Jesus that Christ would be magnified in us. God, not just in us individually, but us corporately. We, we pray, God, that, that the glory of Christ would, would resound and redound from this people. God, that as we, as we approach the Easter season, God, that, that we would find ourselves inviting and welcoming people. God, that we would find ourselves having gospel conversations. That you would just place us among people who you are guiding and leading to saving faith in Christ. Lord, that you would use us in tremendous ways, ways that even we, that surprise us, God, that we find unexpected, God, that you would just cause us to be ambassadors of the kingdom and of our great king who has conquered death. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Acts 8, Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26 is where we find ourselves this morning, and it's a familiar story. Uh, I suspect most of you uh, remember this story, maybe even from your children's Bibles. It's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. By the time we get to this point in the book of Acts, uh, much has happened in the way of the fulfillment of God's promises about His kingdom and for His people that are are over in the Old Testament. Alan J. Thompson wrote a book called The Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus, uh, because back in chapter 1, Luke says he's going to tell us about the work that Jesus does, how? Through His people. Right? Jesus is risen, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's poured out his Spirit to save his people and to seal them with his Spirit and to send them out in his mission to Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and Thompson says this, to, to this point in Acts, quote, there has been an emphasis on the fulfillment of God's saving promises in rebuilding the Davidic kingdom through the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the son of David, to the throne of David. We see that in Acts 2, verse 30 and 33. The pouring out of the promised Holy Spirit of the last days. We see that in Acts chapter 2, 16 and 17. The ingathering of the exiles of Israel. These Israelites who've been scattered all over the world are are brought near to Jerusalem. Jews from every tribe and tongue and language and nation to hear the gospel there In Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2, verse 5 and 9 and 11. And we also see the repentance and the turning to the Lord of Israel in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria, now reuniting that Davidic kingdom under their one true Davidic king. And and now what we're going to see is that the message of the gospel, the message 
that the King of God has come, that Israel's King has come, and He is welcoming sinners to be saved by grace, that this message is going to spread to still more new people as they are welcomed into the kingdom of God. And we see that in the Ethiopian eunuch. Would you hear with me the word of the Lord, beginning in verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasures. treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus and As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Verse 38, And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, as, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. I want to show you a few things this morning about how it is that the gospel spreads. And for some of you who are reading in the King James Version, there was a verse 37, and you're like, well, why didn't you read verse 37? Well, most likely verse 37 was added centuries after Luke wrote Acts. Uh, We know that because the manuscripts that we have from the earliest time don't have verse 37. Verse 37 says this, If you believe with all your heart, you may. In other words, to be baptized, you you first need to believe. And that's true, right? We've seen that back in chapter 2. We saw it early in chapter 8, that they believed and were baptized. And so what's, what's likely happening here is Luke already knows that we know that baptism signifies saving faith in Jesus. He, he understands that you got to believe to be baptized, and he's already clarified that a few times. So now he's just like, you know what baptism signifies. But most likely there was a scribe somewhere along the way who got a little freaked out, and he was like, well, we need to clarify this and make sure people don't think that baptism equals salvation. They need to understand you got to have faith. And so probably a well-intentioned copyist of the manuscript did a little extra bonus theology, uh, which is good theology, by the way. It's just not necessary because Luke has already told us that on several occasions. So that's verse 37 for those of you reading in the King James and wondering 
why we didn't read verse 37. Is that clear as mud? All right, come on Wednesday night if you have more questions. We'll dive into that. Now, here's what I want you to see from God's Word. First, we must obey God's leading as He sends us out in His mission. We, we must obey God's leading as He sends us out in His mission. Last Sunday evening, uh, we have student ministry on Sunday night. If, if you're a, a parent here and, and didn't realize that, but we, we have opportunity at 6.30 every Sunday night uh, for your student to, to get more in the way of discipleship. Pastor Ethan's out on vacation today, but we'll still have student ministry tonight at 6.30. But we don't have stuff for kids at that time, so what do I do with Samuel? Well, we went to Blue Cow, while uh, Blue Cow ice cream, praise God, uh, while... While uh, Stacy and Elizabeth were hanging out here in student ministry, and while we were on our way, I said, hey, son, uh, I do this almost every Sunday night as, as I start to step into the next Sunday sermon. I said, son, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to grab your Bible, and I want you to read the story of the Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch for me as we go, and you're going to help me get ready for Sunday. And he was like, what? I was like, it, it'll be all right, I promise. So he read through the text, and then I just started asking him questions about the text, because I I was like, you know, through the lens of an 11-year-old, what, what can we learn? And here's the first thing he said to me. He said, Dad, it looks, looks to me like this. We have to be willing to drop everything and go to places we weren't even thinking about. Are you willing to drop everything and go somewhere you weren't even thinking about if God tells you to go? He's right. That's, that's how we are blessed to know the gospel is because some people centuries ago dropped everything and went somewhere that God told them to go. In, in Samaria, the gospel is spreading like crazy. Many are bowing to King Jesus through the preached word of Philip. The spiritually and physically oppressed are being delivered and God says to the very man that he's using to bring revival to Samaria, leave Samaria. It's really good right now. Lots of people are getting saved. Good stuff is happening. And what does he say? He says, leave. Go, go, rise, get up and go right now down to the south. Leave the revival for a road in the desert. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have questions. God, I mean, people are getting saved. It's amazing. You want me to leave revival and go to a desert road or a, a deserted city? Yep, that's what I want you to do. And look at verse 27. Unlike Jonah, who got the exact same command from God, by the way, arise and go, what did Jonah do? <laughs> He's like, he went the other way. I'm going down to Tarsish. Uh, but, but Philip has the Spirit of God on the inside. And so rather than rebel, what did he do? 27, he got up and he went. He just went where God said to go. He didn't explain to God. But God, lots of people are being saved right here in Samaria as though God didn't know. God, are you sure you don't want me to stay for a couple more weeks? Hold out the invitation a bit longer? Nope, I want you to go to the south. He didn't let the miracles that God was working distract him from God's mission. He remained obedient and spirit-filled and gospel-sharing, ready to go wherever the king commanded and there's a little principle in here that we need to get, and it is this. God is very interested in saving a lot of people. But He is supremely interested in saving people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation. He does not want the gospel bottled up in Roanoke. 
He does not want the gospel bottled up in Jerusalem. He doesn't want the gospel bottled up in Samaria. So it is not enough for us as a church to save every man, woman, and child in Roanoke and then to be done. Our vision must be God's vision. And God's vision is that we would reach red and yellow, black and white, rich, poor, and in between, young and old children, people in in rest homes, and that we would get beyond the walls of the valley and that we would have a vision that goes across the commonwealth and across our country and around the globe because God sent his son to rescue and redeem a people that includes people from all over the world. So God sends Philip out of Samaria, down the desert road, to the ends of the earth, to see an Ethiopian eunuch. Ethiopia, by the way, back in Philip's day, back in the first century, was considered by Greeks and Romans to be the ends of the earth. And where did Jesus say the gospel was going to go back in Acts 1-8? To the ends of the earth. So Philip leaves Samaria on his way to nowhere, Gaza, the Gaza that's referenced, is a deserted city. And he's on his way to nowhere when he encounters this Ethiopian in a chariot going down the road. And in, Acts, in verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join that chariot. Now the word join here is the word that means to stick to or to attach to something. It doesn't mean go wave at the chariot. It doesn't mean to go by the chariot and say, what's up? It doesn't mean to walk by the chariot and be like, how about those hokies? The Spirit was calling Philip to stick to somebody. The Spirit of God makes the church sticky. This valley, across the Roanoke Valley, people need a Christian who is willing to cross barriers to leave the comfort of where they are and to stick to people in Jesus' name. Once more in verse 30, Philip obeys. He doesn't give a half-hearted attempt to get the eunuch's attention. What does he do in verse 30? It says he ran to him. Did you know that the Spirit will still guide believers to other people today who need to hear the Word of God? He is is still speaking to Christians. Now, he's not writing new scripture. He's not telling us anything that's contrary to the Bible that he's already written. But the Spirit of God still leads Christians in Christ's mission to this very day. The Spirit was not sent just to save you to sit in your recliner. The Spirit of God came to save you and to guide you in holiness in pursuit of Christ's mission. Are you communing with the Spirit in your walk with Christ? Can you hear the Spirit speaking to you? And I don't mean literally, but is He guiding you? Is He prompting you to deeper levels of holiness and Christ-likeness and to walk in God's mission? We should expect that the Spirit would guide us. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, There's no question but that God's people can look for and expect leadings and guidance and indications of what they are meant to do. It seems clear to me that if we deny such a possibility, we are guilty of quenching the Spirit. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 8 verse 14? All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons 
of God. Church, we can be confident that the Spirit Himself is guiding us when what we hear is consistent with God's Word and when the goal is the glory of Christ. God, do you really want me to do this? Well, who are you trying to glorify, yourself or Christ? Is it consistent with what God has already revealed in His Word? Then it's, it's very likely something God is leading you to do. And I'll, I'll add this. Oftentimes, it's uncomfortable or it doesn't make sense. I mean, he's hanging out in Samaria and people are coming to save in faith in Christ. And God's like, go where there's basically nobody and just trust me. So when it's consistent with God's word, when it doesn't make all the sense in the world, and when it is for the glory of King Jesus, it's probably not from your flesh. It's probably from the Holy Spirit leading you out of your comfort zone to do great things for the glory of God. The Spirit of God who dwells within us will lead us to people with whom God wants us to share the gospel. And when the Spirit leads us, we must obey. But I also want to show you from verse 27 and 28 that the, we, we should also appreciate God's role in preparing people to hear the gospel. That's good news, church. It's not all up to you. God is leading you to people that He's already been preparing it's, it's not about how great your gospel presentation was. It's not about how, uh, how many degrees you have or whether you went to seminary or not. God is the preparer of hearts to hear the gospel. In verse 27 and 28, we get this long description of the eunuch. He's an Ethiopian. He's a eunuch. He's a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of all her treasure. And we're going to talk about those things in just a moment. But right now, I want to focus on the end of 27 and into 28. What does Luke tell us? This guy had come to Jerusalem from Africa to worship. And he was going home, sitting in a chariot, doing what? Reading the prophet Isaiah. You can't make that up. Like, has anybody ever been in a situation you're like, God is clearly leading me to be able to share the gospel right now? Like, he's reading Isaiah. He, he's, he's been at work in this Ethiopian's life. Somehow, he's come to hear of the one true God, the God of Israel. Somehow, he has endeavored to journey 1,400 miles from home, one way to worship God in Jerusalem. And get this, as a eunuch... According to Deuteronomy 23, verse 1, he had very limited access to the temple. He wasn't allowed to belong to the people of God. He was only permitted to go and to pray and to bring gifts for the temple, but he couldn't participate in the sacrifice because eunuchs were prohibited from entering the assembly of the Lord. Now, does everybody know what a eunuch is? All right. So a eunuch is a man... Uh, whose portion of his body that makes him a man is either no longer there or no longer operative because of injury. You might call him impotent. Is everybody tracking with me now? A man has a certain part and a female has a certain part. That part which makes a man a man is no longer present or is crushed and is not operative. Everybody tracking. 
So a eunuch, a man for whom this is the case, Deuteronomy 23.1, says he can't enter the assembly of the Lord. So he travels 1,400 miles one direction to get as close to God as he believes he possibly can. And he can't even get into the presence. He can't even be a part of the sacrificial ritual. But he's read the word of God and he believes this is the one true God. And he wants to be as close to this God as he can. And on his return trip from the temple in Jerusalem, he finds out that God has done something pretty amazing. He's taken the temple of the throne room of heaven and through the spirit of God that he's poured out in the son of God who died to take our sins away and was risen on the third day to make us new and give us a new identity in Christ he's opened up access to the temple of God in the heavens wherever we are through the presence of the Holy Spirit he went all the way to Jerusalem to find God and didn't get very far but Philip who has the spirit of God living on the inside is sent by God down to a desert road and he encounters the living Lord Jesus Christ on the road home from Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but that takes the pressure off, church. To know that God is the preparer of hearts. All I have to do is obey. God's going to lead and He's going to direct and He's going to move and He's going to tell me to speak the gospel and all I have to do is be obedient. When the Spirit speaks, I listen and I deliver the gospel and let God do the rest. I can't save anybody, but God can save all kinds of people. Even Ethiopian eunuchs who, according to Deuteronomy, were outside the people of God. They're being brought near by people who go in the Spirit's power and speak when the Spirit says to speak. Even on spring forward Sunday that's pretty exciting but you know what this would never happen if Philip had deliberated and debated and denied that God was giving him a divine opportunity which brings me to our third point this morning we must seize the divine opportunities to share the gospel that God gives us God has put you in a workplace and in a family and in an extended family that I don't have access to, that your neighbor to your right or your left doesn't have access to. He's going to send you to Kroger at a different time than I go. And if I could never go to Kroger, that'd be fine. And he's going to give you divine opportunities. After Philip obeys the Spirit's command, he hears the Ethiopian reading from the Old Testament in the ancient world by the way, everyone read out loud. You say, well, why was he reading out loud? Because that's just how you read in the ancient world. And Philip asks him a great question in verse 30. Do you understand what you're reading? Now, I I readily acknowledge when you go to Kroger, you're probably not going to find someone reading from Isaiah chapter 53. But you're going to find people who are struggling with life. You're going to find people who've been isolated for two years who would just like to talk to someone and they don't even realize it until somebody opens their mouth and asks them a question. And did you know that God still uses good questions to bring people to God? You can ask good questions. Here's a good question. Hey, do you know the story of the Bible? That's not not an intimidating question. The answer is either yes or no, and the answer is no. Hey, would you mind if I told you the story of the Bible? Or how about this one? What do you think about Jesus? 
or as I had the opportunity to share the gospel with a 19-year-old young lady who is um, with child right now, and, and a lot is going on in her life that is, is not good. I had the opportunity to share the gospel with her. Actually, I was writing this point that we have to seize divine opportunities, and I was praying through, God, what example should I give to illustrate this on Sunday? And I walked down to get a bottle of water in the office, because I do my writing sort of in isolation up, up in the student ministry area, but I was thirsty, so I went to go get a bottle of water, and Pastor Hobe has this young lady sitting there in the office that he's encountered, and I've been praying about seizing divine opportunities, and then it just, it just unfolds, and I'm like, well, could you tell me who Jesus is? I said, if you could go back a couple years to high school, and you remember those short answer exams? I said, if, if on the if you had a short answer question, and the question was, who is Jesus, just tell me how you would answer that. I'm just curious. There's no, there's no right or wrong. I just want to know what's in your brain and what's in your heart. And she starts to tell me who Jesus is, based on her understanding. And God gave me the opportunity to share with her who Jesus is, to fill out her understanding and to present her with an opportunity to repent of her sin and believe the gospel. I'd like to tell you that's what happened. It didn't happen yet, but I believe it, it, it may happen. She understood. We can ask good questions. One of my favorite questions to ask is this, do you have five or ten minutes for me to share with you the most incredible thing that's ever happened in my life? Most people will not answer that question with no. Now, here's what you're probably thinking right now. Here's what, here's what Satan is saying to you. But nobody cares about that stuff anymore. Nobody's going to listen if I share the gospel. Nobody wants to hear about the Bible. Nobody wants to hear about Jesus. And you know what? I resonate with that. I feel that way. Like I, I go into the world, I'm like, nobody really cares about this anymore. And then, boom, a nationwide survey shows up three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, not, not, not 30 years ago, not... 30 days ago, three weeks ago, a nationwide survey was released that found this. Six out of ten Americans, that's 60%. 60% of Americans with no religious affiliation. They're not Muslim, they're not Christian, they're not Hindu, they're nothing. Six in ten of people in America with no religious affiliation, listen to this, indicated on the survey they are curious as to why some people are so devoted to their faith. Six in ten. But listen to this. Six in ten also say, many of their friends who claim to be Christians rarely talk about their faith. Sixty percent of the people out there who know nothing about nothing want you to tell them about the one who is everything, and six out of ten of them say, nobody's talking. Church, they've noticed our silence. We've got to start sharing. And part of sharing means being prepared to explain the story of the Bible. Philip asks the first question, right? Do you understand what you're reading? And then the eunuch asks the next three questions. How can I understand unless someone guides me? And God has equipped Philip to guide him. He is ready 
And when the eunuch asks him to hop up in the chariot, what does he do? He hops up in the chariot. He had to be thinking when the Spirit said, go join, go join yourself to that chariot. He had to be thinking, how in the world am I going to do that? And then he gets an invitation to hop in the chariot. In verse 32 and 33, Luke quotes from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 and 8, where the eunuch had been reading. Now, this is incredible to me, right? The whole Old Testament is about Jesus, right? The whole Bible shows us Jesus, but this particular part of Isaiah, written 750 years before Jesus comes, is from a servant song in the book of Isaiah that is about the salvation that is to come through the death of the Messiah. So the very place that he's reading is about the one who will come and give his life as an offering for the sins and the transgressions of God's people. In verse 34, the eunuch asks a second question. About whom does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Who is this guy talking about? Is he talking about himself? Or is he talking about someone to come? The eunuch is like, I want to know the identity of this man who though he is treated unjustly, willingly died with no offspring, no generation to follow him. Who does that? And in verse 35, Philip takes the shot that God had been orchestrating all along. I had the opportunity a couple weeks ago to be on WFXR to talk about what's happening in the Ukraine and our efforts there and how the gospel's going out and people are being provided for and uh, I have no idea how that happened. I got an email from a guy at WFXR who got an email from somebody who saw an article that referenced something that I said in the Baptist press. People are like, well, did you ask WFXR to, to talk about the Ukraine? I, I did nothing. I got an email and an invitation to show up on TV and get interviewed about what's going on in Ukraine. I was like, well, of course I'll do that. And then they start asking me questions. They, they're like, well, would you like the questions in advance or later? I'm like, either way, the Spirit will give me the words I need to say in the very hour. But if you have in advance, I'd love to read through them. So I read through them. And the last question is like, so what are you telling people about their faith in a time like this? I'm like, are you kidding me? Yes, I'll do that. I had nothing to do with any of that. God put all that together. And then I got to say, what I'm telling people is this world is a mess. And we've got a Savior who can rescue you from the mess and give you a hope and a future. Church, it's not human planning or scheming or programming that accomplishes the mission of God. How is the mission of God fulfilled? It is fulfilled when the Spirit of God leads Spirit-filled people to obey the Word of God and to get it to other people. And I want to tell you the second thing my son said. He said this, Dad, we've got to know how to show people Jesus from the Bible. From Isaiah 53, Philip preaches Jesus. He starts right where the man is and he gets to Jesus. And here's the reality, church. We can have great programs But if programs make us feel like we are doing something when we are not personally sharing the gospel, then programs are doing more harm than good. Let me say that again. We have a lot of programs. But if programs 
cause us to feel justified in not sharing the gospel, they're doing more harm than good. Philip did not go down to the desert, share the gospel, and then create Desert Road Ministries, Inc. What did he do? He seized that one opportunity, and then God, as we'll see, he sends him somewhere else. He took the shot that God gave him. Verse 35 literally says what? And Philip, having opened his mouth. You know what the number one program of the church is to be a part of the mission of God? It's called the Open Your Mouth program. And the reason a lot of churches are suffering and dying and dwindling is because the members have lost sight of the fact that the number one program you're to be a part of is the Open Your Mouth program. If you belong to Jesus, He's sending you to people and places to open your mouth. To start where people are and to share the good news with people. And what is that good news? In a word, that good news is Jesus. Literally, it says, Having begun from this writing, proclaimed good news to him, Jesus. In other words, Jesus is the good news. To tell someone good news, you must tell them of Jesus. It is through faith in Jesus, the one who died and rose again, that sinners can be rescued from death and they can enter the kingdom of God just as God promised. Jesus is good news. Which means finally and fourthly, we've got to remember that Jesus opened the door to God's kingdom for anyone who will turn from their sins and follow Jesus as king. You believe that this morning? That he opened the door wide open for anybody who will repent and believe. In verse 36, something amazing happens. Philip and the eunuch are riding along in the chariot and boom, they, they come upon some water. Enough water for two, two adult men to go down into. Why? Because baptism in the New Testament means to dunk somebody. And we dunk somebody because it symbolizes our death in Christ because we had to die to our old sinful self and our resurrection in Christ to a whole new way of living. I, I love what the eunuch says. Literally, it's two words in Greek. Behold, water. <laughs> Look, there's water. This is incredible. Hanging out in the desert with some water. Because the eunuch requests baptism. We can infer that Philip had shared with him the need to follow Jesus in baptism as a powerful symbol of how God welcomes sinners through the death and resurrection of Jesus, as predicted back in Isaiah 53. And as we near the close, I've got to tell you, church, I, I've been meditating on this text this week, and the Spirit has been showing me some incredible truths that I want to share with you as we close. First, this man had a high position, and he had access to all the queen's wealth, but his status and his wealth couldn't satisfy him. You can get all the money in the world, you can get all the accolades in the world, you can have all the career advances in the world, they will not ultimately satisfy you. Secondly, he financed a 2,800-mile round trip to Jerusalem 
But when he got to the temple as an African, he didn't look like anybody else. And as a eunuch, he wasn't permitted to participate in sacrificing or going into the inner courts of the temple. He got as close as he could to the temple, but his access was still very limited. But suddenly, when the Spirit of God sent a person of God with the Word of God, he learned that he could enter into the temple of God because the Spirit would change him. Church, the gospel is not just for Jews and not just for, not just for Jews, but for Africans. And as we will see, it is for people all over the world, including the 6,825 people groups today who still remain unreached with the gospel. The third thing I want you to see is the imagery of the sudden appearance of enough water in a barren wasteland to baptize somebody. Did you know Jesus will do that in your life? You might be barren this morning. You might be despondent this morning. You might feel like life is hopeless this morning. But when God, through His Holy Spirit and the preaching of the Word, gets a hold of your heart, He makes you new on the inside. It's why Jesus calls Himself living water. You're thirsty, you're thirsty, you're thirsty, you're never satisfied. And then, boom, when Christ changes a heart, He changes everything. Fourth, this man is called an Ethiopian one time. But he's called a eunuch five times. Verse 27, 34, 36, 38, and 39. A eunuch was marginalized, separated from God's people, outside of God's people, and powerless to change it. A a word that we would use for a, a eunuch is impotent or powerless. He can do nothing about who he is or the consequences of it. He's got wealth. And he's got position, but he has no power to change his circumstances. He has no progeny, he has no descendants, he has no offspring. And he can have all the position, all the status, all of the wealth in the world, but he can do nothing about it. And look what he's reading about in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. He just so happens to be reading about this man who was unjustly treated seemingly robbed of having any descendants. Do you see that? They say of him, who can describe his generation? In other words, this guy's not even going to have any offspring, and they're going to kill him. They're going to take his life away from the earth. And and the eunuch has to be feeling that way, right? I'm going to die without offspring. I'm going to die, and I'm not going to make a difference. There's nothing that's going to be said of my life. I'm not going to have any heritage. I'm not going to have any family. I'm not going to have any offspring. Why am I even here, God? I go 1,400 miles to Jerusalem to, to know you and encounter you, and I'm not even allowed to participate in that. I feel like such a nothing. I feel so worthless. I feel like an outcast and an outsider, like I could never be near to the God who made me. But I'm reading about this guy that sounds a lot like that. I believe as Philip heard where he was reading, I've got to believe that Philip began to unpack for him this, this one who, though he is everything, became as nothing. Though he has all power, he gave up 
in a sense, his power so that his life would be taken on the cross so that even outcasts and sinners could be brought near to the kingdom of God. He became impotent and powerless so that through the power of his resurrection, he might change sinners on the inside and qualify them to enter and enjoy his presence. And yes, for a little while, it looked like this King Jesus wouldn't have any offspring, but on the third day, he rose from the dead and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father and he's poured out his spirit and he's changing hearts and everybody whose heart is changed by the Spirit through faith in the Son of God becomes a child of God. And this king, who thought they thought would have no children, will have more children than you could ever imagine in the kingdom of God. Why don't you trust in him? Why don't you believe in him? Oh, Mr. Ethiopian eunuch, you may not ever have a biological child, but you can go in the power of the Spirit back home to Ethiopia, and you can proclaim the gospel, and you will have more spiritual children and grandchildren as you share the gospel with others than you ever imagined. If we keep reading in Isaiah, just a few chapters after 53, we learn that the salvation of the eunuch is yet another fulfillment of kingdom prophecy. Isaiah 56, verses 3 through 5. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will separate me from his people. And let not, listen to this, let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. Oh, it's better than biology, church. Listen to the last line. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. He may have had some parts removed. But because of Christ, he was given a new name and will never be cut off from the kingdom of God. Luke wants us to see that the day that Isaiah anticipated had come. A day not only when eunuchs are accepted, but they have a place in God's temple and will have joy in the Lord's house of prayer. Because what is the house of the Lord now? Is it not his people we are his house and he inhabits the praises of his people the spirit of god has come uniting jews and samaritans and africans bringing even outcasts home into the house of the lord the kingdom of god is on the move it is coming on earth as it is in heaven and it's including all sorts of people through people like philip who were willing to do what People who go where the Spirit leads, people who know the story of the Bible, and people who will open their mouths as God gives opportunity to share the good news about Jesus. As they come out of the water, the Spirit sends Philip to preach the gospel in the rest of Judea. And the eunuch comes up rejoicing. Now the eunuch has a story to tell. Now the eunuch has a place in the kingdom of God. He can tell that God sent a son to save those who are powerless. He came to save singles. Widowed, divorced. Addicts. Forsaken. Abandoned. Rejected. 
overlooked. He came to save all kinds of people. And the eunuch goes back to Africa to proclaim that message. And the gospel of King Jesus keeps spreading through spirit-filled witnesses. And the access that Jesus gave to that eunuch is available this morning for any who will turn from their sin and trust in Christ. So, two simple invitations this morning. First, if you don't know Jesus, if you've been traveling 1,400 miles in one direction and 1,400 miles back and nothing has changed, then come to Jesus and let your life be changed today. And second, if you know this king, will you be another Philip? Will you go where the Spirit sins? Will you seize the opportunities that God gives you and proclaim Jesus every step of the way? Would you bow with me? King Jesus, we love you. We praise you. And we ask that by the Spirit's presence today that you would be working in the hearts of your people leading us to obey whatever it is you are calling us to do i ask it in jesus name amen thank you for listening to the north roanoke podcast you can connect with us at northroanoke.org or download our app in your device's app store just search for north roanoke we hope to meet you soon